We're, we're on earth because of sex. Yeah. God created sex. But who talks about sex? Nobody. You're not allowed to. Now talk about like, sex. Yeah. Don't talk about sex in church. We need sexual breakthrough. Mm -hmm. We need sexual healing. And we need to realize the power of passion comes from our sexual birth. Tell me the story behind Raw. Raw. So, honestly, man, that's a good good business story as well. When I first, so I don't know how much you, I don't think you know much about my story and where I came from because we recently started to kind of interact with each other. Yeah. Um, but I dropped out of dental school. Uh, that's why I moved to Arizona. Uh, and I think I told you I was in dental yeah. school when I first moved. So I dropped out about a year and a half into dental school, $150,000 of student loan debt. And it was because I learned about what online marketing was and mm. I saw bigger potential for me. And also it felt like by the time I got to dental school, it felt like I was kind of settling, felt like everybody there had the feeling of like, we've arrived, we've done mm. it. And it just, it didn't settle well with me because I've just always been like working towards something, you know? So I think the online marketing, as far as becoming a dating coach was a challenge for me that I emotionally on a, on a, like a spiritual level felt called to do, you know, really, I believe in that. Yeah. I always say you don't choose it. It chooses you. But, uh, anyways, I can tell, you know, by, by, first of all, thanks for coming to my birthday party. Of dude. Course. Your story is real and you're a real person. And, uh, you know, first of all, the way my son speaks of you and, you know, I've been following you on Instagram and then I've heard other people talk about you. Every, everything that I've ever heard about you is good. Uh, but then when I met you in person, I remember us all sitting around and you were authentically listening to people and no wonder you have an amazing podcast because this is natural for you. So like of all that you do, right? What are you most passionate about? I'm curious. Ah, uh, man, that's hard to say. I feel like, I feel like I've, so ironically, there's a lot of time that's passed between the dental school dropping out, becoming a dating coach. And the original question, the raw came from, uh, originally I was branding myself as the charisma expert for men. Okay. Um, and it just wasn't resonating. It wasn't uh, a Why good not? offer. It Why wasn't not? A good, I'm curious. People, what, what people it? don't go to bed at night thinking, God, I need more charisma. <laughs> you know, they think that they think <laughs> I need to get the girl. How do I get the girl? That's such a simple result. Yeah. You're right. It's like guys don't want to, you know, all they want is like, how do I get their dream girl? So yeah. then do you, have you found that like even good looking guys struggle with that? Oh yeah. Yeah. At my last boot camp, I was just telling you about yeah. it. Um, there was a guy who's literally on the documentary, uh, male model, uh, six pack, everything just, um, didn't have the confidence, the, the ability to speak with women and approach them. And we had a very powerful moment where he literally couldn't, um, kind of just speak above like a whisper when we were doing a hypothetical scenario of him approaching a girl. And I, I made him stop in the middle of his banter session and made him literally scream at the top of his lungs. I am Aaron fucking Ford. Put some bass <laughs> under it. And he got into it, man. He transformed when he, and it took him a few times to get there, yeah. but dude, it was magical. That's well, why the documentary is so powerful. You see it happen in real fucking time. No cuts and stuff. Mm, you know? I can't wait to watch it, man. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, no wonder Caleb's pushing you to do a funnel for that. Oh yeah. You going to? 
Oh yeah, I mean, it's already created. And so the funnels, all the copy, all the emails, they're all written to be congruent to the bootcamp. Okay. Right now I have uh, another coaching program that I'm enrolling guys into rather than the bootcamp because who knows when we'll be able to do another one. Yeah. Um, but the, so right now the, the funnel's done, the email is done. I just got to change a little bit of the copy to be more congruent to the offer that we're doing. How many guys are you going to let in? Uh, to this new program? Yeah. As many guys as I can get signed up and okay. still coach them, you know? Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just, is it is it a thing where it's like a group coaching situation where oh, yeah. you could take in thousands? I could. Yeah, hypothetically. We're doing Zoom calls every two weeks. Uh, and, and those right now are really good because it's the group's not at 1,000 people yet. We're probably at 150. But... Um, we'll get there. My goal is to get 2000 and then we'll see what happens there. Um, but between the, the material they get, the membership area, the, the zoom calls, all that they're, they're covered. Yeah. It's great. You know what? I think one of the biggest, uh, missing pieces in men today, what is, um, is, is a lack of deep, uh, connection and, uh, time spent with, other like-minded alpha masculine men mm. uh, in groups, you know, doing manly things, you know, instead of just going and sitting at a bar with a cocktail, yeah. you know, hoping to get, you know, to get a girl or whatever, you yeah. know, and I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that per se, but it's all about your energy and your attitude about those moments. You know what I'm saying? But you know, as we're talking about men and your boot camp and what you do, first of all, and, and wait, Bridger's selling for you now. Oh yeah, he's closing for me. I love that guy, man. <laughs> he's a winner. Bridger, if you're watching, I'm a believer in you. He's a good young man. <laughs> Great. And Chris kid. is a good dude. Yeah. Shout out to Chris. Ladies, I'm sorry. These guys are not single. Chris, you're not single, right? No. Nah. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> sorry, ladies. Next time. Anyways, I'm looking forward to this, man. We're going to have fun. Yeah. Have you ever, uh, what's that phrase? You ever been caught in a pickle? Uh, because you just reminded me of something, bro. What was it? Uh, so this is a funny story and I can say it out loud, even though my girlfriend's in another room, because I told her about it right when it happened because I was shocked. I had a man and I haven't told this on my podcast, but the listeners of the podcast know the man Faraz. He's been on two episodes, um, with this podcast, I'm doing it a little bit differently because, um, I don't want to pigeonhole into being the guest based podcast or the, uh, you know, the podcast about entrepreneurship. I'm anywhere and everywhere. Mm. If I want friends and family and just keeping it my circle tight, I'll do it. If mm. I want to bring on new guests, people that interest me, authors, scientists, I'll fucking do it. I love it. Right. Dude. I love that. <laughs> so uh, Faraz is a uh, anti-aging expert and uh, he's been on a couple of times. And I've partied with this guy in L.A. He used to have a, a condo in Beverly Hills. Anyways, he just moved to Scottsdale. He was staying at the Optima a little bit. And after our last podcast, which was a couple weeks ago, uh, he's like, yeah, a couple of my friends are in town. Uh, we should link up and grab some dinner or something. I said, okay, cool. So I go over there uh, on, I think it's literally like a Thursday or a Friday night. And we're going to grab some dinner. And uh, I'm like, just expecting Faraz, friends, cool. girl. My girlfriend's staying here, right? And uh, and very quickly I realized that Faraz wrote me, roped me into a double date with two girls who were very DTF. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was very awkward. This is why you have a girlfriend. <laughs> and I, this was a couple weeks ago and I had no idea what I was I wanna know how you navigated into. through that, bro. Let's talk through this. Oh, walk God. me through the real, take me as if it was a movie set. Yeah, like, yeah. But real quick though, this dude sounds yeah. cool. Oh, cool dude. And he lives in Scottsdale? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Connect me with I him. Will, Group text sure. me. I want to meet him. Yeah, uh, because I like hanging out with people with that kind of energy. Anyways, tell me yeah. the story. How'd you navigate <laughs> through this? So I, I show up, 
And he's like, yeah, these are a couple girls that I knew from L.A. I was like, okay. And I just figured he he said, he literally said friends, you know. So I was like, okay, these are friends that are girls. I show up and I'm, he meets me at my car because I've never been to his new apartment or whatever. And uh, uh, as we're walking up to his place, he goes, yeah, so just so you know, like some of the, like the, these, these girls, I wouldn't say they're the, the best looking, but you know, they're cool. And I, I just made a joke. I was just joking. I was like, either way, if they got a pulse, we'll fuck them, right? I was completely joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I walk in and instantly these girls are sitting down. They were playing drinking games before I got there. And the eye contact, you can tell the eye contact. Eyes oh, hi. Yeah, you know, absolutely. They were trying to go on a double date. And yeah. it felt really weird because I, didn't flirt back. I, I felt like I'm, I, this is weird. I feel like I am awkward, more awkward than most people in social situations, especially when it involves talking to women who sure. I know might be interested in me because I'm in a relationship, but I'm also a dating coach. And I also have been the single guy for many years. So it's like, I'm afraid to give anybody mixed signals because that is yeah. not my intention. Yes. You know? And that's hard. You know why? Why? It's so hard because, and it's hard for me because as you're sharing this, yeah. I relate because when I'm in a relationship, dude, I don't even like other girls' pictures. Like, I'm, when I'm in, I'm in. Like, I'm all in. Yeah. But not only that, like, I'm with you. Like, as far as you saying you're a dating coach, like, I'm, I'm Caleb Maddox's dad. I, I have a parent brand. I lead a missions movement. I used to be a pastor. So I've lived in this fishbowl, right? But yeah, dude, I'm a natural charmer. Like, my eyes are natural. Like, my communication with ladies is natural. And I know yours is that it's a natural thing to where if you just are in your alpha and you're just in your confidence and you're just in your flow of life, right? Yeah. People are going to think you're being flirty. <laughs> yeah. So I know when I get in situations, I'm like, I don't know how to act. I'm yeah. like... So I'm just like, now I become awkward because I'm trying not to like give off any vibes, right? You right, feel that? Exactly. You, do you relate? Yeah, like I break eye contact. I'll like look down. Exactly. Like, I'll look, look weird look and yeah. I'll be, pretend like I'm listening and then I'll be like, I hope nobody's taking a picture of this or, yeah. you know, you feel that? Oh yeah. And so as soon as I get in, we sit down, they hand me a drink. We start playing drinking games and the girls start grilling me with questions as if they're trying to get to know me. And I'm like, yo... Uh, this is this is this is not going good and so i'm like we're literally i'm literally going over there not to party not to drink we're going to dinner you know and so we we find a place that we're we're gonna go originally we go there and it's a sushi joint raw sushi shout out old town scottsdale and we sit down that place. at a table and faraz fucking this is the next move where he leaves me hanging bro he sits on the opposite side of the table as me <laughs> So now the girl that he doesn't want has to sit next to me and it literally looks like we're on a double date and I got my girlfriend texting me like, Hey, where are you at? Are you coming home soon? Oh you know, my. Like, how did you handle this? I was caught in a pickle. <laughs> so, but it was a pickle, but how'd you handle it? Meaning like walk us through it or you can't. Uh, no, no I, <laughs> I don't want to um, get in trouble. And, and no, nah, I, uh, I basically tried to 
be as boring as possible, which iron was ironic because it made the girls ask me more questions and it made me the the fucking life of the party, if you will, because now I'm the one telling all the stories because I'm the one getting all the questions directed at me. But I'm trying to give them one word answers, two word answers. I just want my sushi. They get their sushi and everybody's sharing. I get my sushi and nobody has any of it, you know, because I'm fucking <laughs> hungry. Sharing is emotional. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're like, no, this is not a double date. Don't touch my sushi. Exactly. <laughs> and Plus, I don't like sharing anyways because I was yeah. like, you know, Caleb will be like, no, I don't want fries. I'm like, no, you're getting fries because you're not touching my fries. Yeah. <laughs> you're not touching them. I'll give you, I'll order you 10 orders of fries. Yeah. But if you don't want fries, don't think you're going to grab a few of mine a few minutes oh, yeah. later. You feel that? Oh, yeah. Like, I don't mind giving. Mm. But don't say you don't want any. And then when I get it, you eat half of mine. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I still don't mind if it's Caleb. We're men. We yeah. got to eat. <laughs> I wish people would realize that simple reality. We have to eat. We're men. Yeah. It's a testosterone thing. It's, it's like we're men. We're growing. We're, 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 we, you know, we lift. We work out. You know, yeah. we have to eat. Yeah. Anyway, so how you, <laughs> so um, you got out of that okay? So I, how did the lady handle it? I was the one who drove, and uh, Kate's texting me like, oh, it takes you four hours to grab dinner or whatever. And uh, I, I literally drop these people off. They want me to come back up and continue the party. And I just drop them off. I say, yeah, I'm going to go home. I literally have a family at home. I have two dogs and a girlfriend that lives with me, you know? Yeah. And Faraz was here, you know? Um, I love Faraz. Faraz, Faraz we're going to party again. But, bro, <laughs> don't do me like that. <laughs> Faraz, listen, you got to make sure there's at least... You know, a few more people there. Yeah. But anyway, so all is okay then, you guys. Yeah, my girlfriend. I told her what the what happened. I was very upfront about it. I wanted no gray areas here. I was not trying. That was not my intention, and she understood. The simplicity of that, right? Yeah. The simplicity of just communication. Being totally upfront. Yes. And honest, and then safe. Though I don't think most people feel safe, or they're just. Um, Maybe it's fear of rejection. Fear of rejection, fear that they're going to lose. Yeah. Or sometimes, you know, they, they may not have an emotionally healthy partner that and can they, handle that. Or they want to hook up with other girls, which was not me. You yeah. know, even though, even, even so, Faraz admitted himself, hey, the girl that I'm going to try to set you up with, the subconsciously telling me this on the way to his apartment, yeah, these aren't the hottest yeah, if anything, he got the, the hot girl and the other one was the friend, right? It's called the grenade from the Jersey Shore. <laughs> and so that was her. And uh, I'm like, nah. I, first off, as one wise man said, I ain't trying to make any lateral moves or backward moves. Second off, I'm just not the type of guy who's going to be making moves like that in that nature anyways. So. Well, I'd love for you. Do your podcast listeners have a place to comment? Uh, yeah, on YouTube. This yeah, I'd love YouTube. to hear your feedback yeah. on how you feel like uh, <laughs> Coach Patrick did. I mean, oh, love yeah. to hear on my Facebook. What do you think? Like, what? how'd he do if you were scoring him? What could he have done? Should he have done? And Frost, don't do that to guys that are in a relationship, man. That, that ain't cool, right? Maybe they do it different in L.A. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I guarantee you. Yeah. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe he didn't, you know. But, no, I do believe when you're in a relationship, you're in a relationship. Yeah. 100%. And it's not just you a don't want to be in a relationship, a break up. That's second. 100%. You know? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to values, right? Do I want to be that type of guy who's um, going back on my word, things like that? Because I truly believe in one, like little hinges swing big doors. You do this little habit here, it's going to manifest mm. everywhere, you know? I love that. Little hinges swing big doors. I love that. Yeah. 
Yeah. I. So what was the question you asked me before we got on? It was like, what's the biggest thing that helped you get your girl? Or something yeah, like that? yeah, I was curious about that. What and, was like the number one secret do you find in the love of your life, man? Yeah. Is she the one? Uh, or is it too soon to tell? We. I don't want to. I don't want to get into the details, but I think. Uh, I think it's pretty serious right now. You know. So yeah. we're we're about to go to the next step for sure. Yeah. Um, which is you know how we've been living together for how many years? What's the next yeah. step? Right? So, so you're in love. She's the you're like, oh yeah yeah. We've been love to spend the rest of your life with her. Yeah, as far as I can tell, right now, right now, exactly. In how this I moment, feel. In this, this is moment, what you feel exactly. And really, this is all that matters is that. So project nothing else into the future other than I'm so happy, yeah. and uh, we're here to create and play and have fun. Yeah, and uh, you know, stay in that. There's no reason 100%. to create any what ifs. Yeah. Too many couples do that. They don't they don't play in the now and enjoy their relationship of the now. But anyways, how did you know she was the one, man? Well, I think that's that's uh, that's a lot of That'd be question. three things. Yeah. There, there's three things. Okay. Yeah. Obviously you had plenty yeah. of dates. Oh yeah. Uh do you ever reveal how many girls you've had sex with? No. Is that something you don't want to talk about? Yeah, not really. I get it. I I just thought we could talk about anything. (laughs) I'm just just messing with it. For my girlfriend. I know I get that. But my point is, it's like you could have anybody. Uh, Yeah, I truly believe that. You know that. You believe that. You have the confidence. So what was magical about her? You know, I have a few things I look for early on and then as I'm going through. Yeah, what are they? I'm curious. Well, one of my standards early on, and this is what I always teach guys, is, you know, if a girl's at least if for example if you ask her out twice and she says no or doesn't get back to you but she never gives an alternative time or follows up with you move on yeah, yeah that's that was one of my many standards right mm-hmm. i also believe uh at the time when i was single and i was dating around here this is this kind of plays into what i talk about on my dating advice stuff is you know i always teach guys date from abundance you know rather than from scarcity most guys they settle for the first girl that shows them interest maybe it's coworker maybe it's a friend of a friend but they one don't have the ability to meet new women approaching yeah or, and two when they find one they put all their eggs in one basket right away right at early on, you want to be the man. You got sexual urges. You see attractive women. You're single. Play the field, right? Figure out what you like, what you don't like. As a guy who was a 21-year-old virgin uh, and struggled in dating and then overcame it through massive action, I didn't know what I wanted when I was 21. I thought I did, but I didn't know until I experienced what I don't want, mm. right? And so with Kate, uh, one of my many standards is I don't like when a girl's clearly into me and she she's horny for me. She wants to have sex with me, but she's playing games. She's like, oh, we can't. Uh, and then she doesn't ever, like within the first two to three dates, right? For me, I like a, re- I like a relationship to start out physical, you know, because I feel like if, why, if we have physical chemistry, why are we going to cut that off? Now, obviously, there's nuances to doing that the right way. But um, it, with Kate, <laughs> literally, I met her at, the, at a nightclub in Scottsdale and went with, home with her five minutes after meeting her. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Was that kind of a technique you had to, to try to get them? We were quick? just both in a very good state. Okay. okay. Yeah. And, uh, and I happened to live right five there. Five minutes. You were home. <laughs> well, was it, we walk it, out. Was it an immediate making out or oh, was yeah. it? Okay. Okay. So it was a lot of passion. Yeah. But you know, from her perspective, hearing the story from her side, she had kind of locked in on me from the moment she walked in. Um, I had a table and I was dancing on top of the table apparently. And she saw me with her friends, but that's, that's another story. Um, so it started out, we obviously had the physical chemistry. I gotten to talk to her over the, we didn't even start dating until like six months later. 
you know, until I moved to Phoenix from Scottsdale into this apartment. Um, and we started hanging out when I moved here, uh, hanging out, going on dates, you know, continuing the physical chemistry, but then exploring, do we have actual chemistry together? Can we work together as a team? Yeah. And, and to answer your question, I guess that's one, you know, you asked for three. This, the second one is I would say I've been dating her for three, almost three years at this point. Uh, two and a half years. Uh, if I get that number wrong, she's going to be pissed. But uh, uh, we've gone through the ringer. You know, we've had our fights. We've had our battles. But I like how on both sides, we're willing to work with each other and work things out. You mm-hmm. know, and I don't think that's common, you know, with a lot of people. Uh, and we've also kind of had a practice run of like, I didn't realize, but when you get a dog, it's basically like getting a child. If you oh, it is, child, right? man, especially nowadays. Yeah. And so we have two dogs now. Um, so we've been through a lot. And the fact that we're still together and we still have as much uh, love for each other and chemistry with each other physically and emotionally. Um, yeah, I can't see myself with anyone else at this point. What a blessing. That's got to yeah. be peaceful to have. Yeah. One thing I do want to get your opinion All on right, though, let's hear it. is um, I've... You know, I've always kind of had the belief, and this is just like my how I started thinking in my 20s when I started improving my dating life. I'm a very different person than I was when I was a 21-year-old virgin. Sure, yeah. Right? Uh, but Kate, for example, wants to get married, have kids, blah, yada, yada, right? She And she was the one who wanted the boyfriend, girlfriend labels, right? I've never been a fan of labels. Sure. And I personally don't feel like marriage is today what it probably was signified to be in the Bible, right? Sure. And so uh, for me, I'm like, we can get married, we can not get married, but at the end of the day, what are we going to be doing that's different than what we're doing now? Mm -hmm. Like what's different other than we have a marriage license that legally binds us into uh, a capitalistic society that was created by man? Yeah. You know? So I I don't know. What are your opinions on marriage? Um, and, And coming from the perspective of, you know, like you said the other night, the alpha gentleman. Yeah, you know? the alpha gentleman. First of all, good question. I love this. Uh, for those that are watching on my social media, this is my boy Patrick James, uh, raw dating advice, and then raw and real. So, you know, first of all, I'm curious. I don't know if we talked about it at my birthday party. Those are six shoes, by the way. Thank you. Uh, you believe in the Bible? Yeah, I grew up a Christian. Okay. This is also interesting. And right. you, you were a previous pastor, right? Yes, so yes, yes. Perfect to tell you about this as well. Yeah. Like, um, so I grew up Christian. I went to a Christian school. It was a Lutheran elementary school. Okay. Uh, so we had to go to church every Wednesday. We had religion class every day. My parents made me go to church with them every Sunday uh, up until I moved to Arizona. Um, and I grew up non-denominational. Basically, because I was there's Lutheran, Presbyterian, and then non-denominational churches, right? Uh, but I think it's interesting because when I moved to Arizona, I stopped going to church, and most of my friends who don't now no, don't live with their parents don't go to church. And the common theme I'm seeing between me, my girlfriend, my friends back from Kansas, is we all had such a negative emotion associated with going to church. Because it was always, it's Sunday, get out of bed, get up, we got to go to church, you know, and it, you know, if we act up in church, I get pulled out and I'm spanked, right? And so for me, I've always felt like it was forced upon me and I've always been very religious. Um, but then when I moved to Arizona, I just kind of like lost focus on it, I of course. guess you could say. That's normal. Right. How old are you now? 
Uh, 20, 30. Okay, so yeah. when did you say the last time you've been to churches? No judgment for me because I haven't Christmas been to church. Because I love my, Christmas Eve mom. services. Yeah, Dude, Christmas Eve services are a must. I go to midnight mass every, most Christmas Eves. Yeah. Uh, I say every, most. It's a tradition. Uh, so good to hear. No, that's perfectly normal what you're saying. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, I read something 85% of Christian kids... Uh, leave Christianity before the age of 18. And they did a survey and they said the number one reason was because our Christianity wasn't adventurous enough. That's why I started Maddox Mission. You see, Caleb, he's been on 54 missions trips. Uh, Caleb grew up in a spiritual world, right? I, I taught him the ways of Jesus, the Proverbs, the Bible, uh, but I also took him to yoga, to, to Buddhist meditation, to like, you know, to experience, right? But his roots of God and spirituality were, you know, praying to God every day. You know, it's a fun relationship to know that you have God 24-7. God, yeah. who can give you instant wisdom, clarity, you know, whatever, right? And not only that, uh, there's an energy to that. There's an energy and a fire to, you know, the Holy Spirit. Uh, I've experienced it all, my man, Patrick. And look, I'm not religious, and, and that's why I'm starting Maddox Missions, because it's kind of the new opportunity for people that have been burned out of religion and kind of bored with church and don't really believe in the, yeah. you know, it's more of like, Hey, it's a mission. We're here to serve the poor. Mm. We're here to help fatherless kids. We're here to help the 1.5 million homeless teenagers. We're here to, you know, we're here to honor our veterans. We're here to feed the poor. You know how many poor people are in Phoenix? I can take you five minutes from here. There's thousands of homeless people. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why, you know, I took Caleb every Friday morning of his life under the bridge to take Starbucks coffee to the homeless. Every Friday. The alarm would go off at 5 a.m. and I'd be dragging him out of bed when he was little, you know, when it was dark. And if it'd get cold out, we'd take sleeping bags to take him to the homeless. That was our faith. That was our God. That was our, like... Because that's where you find God. You want to find God? Man, go down to the homeless and look in the eyes of some of those beautiful ladies. You know, those are ladies, man. Those are elderly ladies. Those are veterans down there. Those are, you know, when, when I was down there on Father's Day, you know, I had Caleb down there and a bunch of his friends. You, you weren't there yet. I don't think we had met yet. Uh, and it was a beautiful moment because we were feeding all these homeless people and you know, I always give a motivational talk to them. And, you know, this goes against, this is why I can't be a preacher traditionally again, because I bring ice cold beers to the veterans. Yeah. I did. Do you know what it's like, Patrick? Okay. You want to see heaven? You know, these veterans, they, they hear different sounds than we do. You know, they've seen things we'll never see. You know, uh, they really are, are forgotten in America. You know, they're suffering. 22 veterans a day commit suicide. A lot of it is because uh, they're in a world that nobody can understand. You know, a lot of uh, horrors in their mind, you know, from war. And, um, you know, that's why I'm so passionate to, to every Sunday, you, you know, I'll hide, you know, maybe six to 12 ice cold beers and I'll grab some of these elderly veteran homeless guys that I know, I know they're veterans. And I'll hand them three or four beers. Man, the smile on their face. Yeah. But they love God, you know? But it's like, you know, Jesus turned water into wine. 
you know, I'm not an advocate for alcohol. I wish people would drink less. You know, I'm more of an advocate for, you know, plant-based lifestyle. You know what I mean? And so my answer to marriage is I've been married twice. So I, I loved both times that I was. And there's nothing in the world that's more, uh, besides being a dad, you know, is being a husband. You know, there is something spiritual about the, the, the identity of husband versus boyfriend. Mm. There's a new depth. There's a new connection when you take on, when, when she takes on your name. You see, marriage, I know it's been watered down because of dating. So thank you for what you're doing because the real reason we have such a broken identity in marriage today is because our dating is screwed up. That's why I'm doing the Alpha Gentleman movement. Okay. So uh, I, I, I want my son to get married to one person. You know, uh, I don't want my son out having just casual sex. I've taught him to channel his sexual energy and because it's not just sex. You know, there's, there's so much that you can get connected to with somebody. So you want to just not give that. You know what I mean? So uh, I taught Caleb, look, you know, find a lady that you can marry. Because, you know, there's something sacred and special about her having your last name. And, and you guys being a, a team. Yeah. You know, you go from like boyfriend, girlfriend to like, husband and wife it's like we're building legacy we're committed now you know unfortunately i had two failed marriages so i'm not here to i could give great marriage advice because yeah. principles work you know yeah. unfortunately some some of us just have some bad situations happen and that's life too yeah your thoughts on everything i shared starting with god and then yeah. back to you know, what I just shared about yeah, marriage. 100%. Um, <clears throat> I like this conversation because I feel like, you know, uh, one of my biggest battles with just Christianity, I'd say in the last year or so, is, you know, before it wasn't like I was, you know, separating myself from Christianity. I was just like, I was just focused on other things here and I wasn't making it a priority to go to church, right? Sure. Um, but... I joined a mastermind, a business mastermind, and after about $10,000 into it, uh, the coach and his team basically decides, hey, we can no longer help you anymore. Uh, what What's going on? Why is this? Well, we just don't agree with what you're doing with your business. What are you talking about? We feel like you promote premarital sex too much, mm. and it goes against our Christian, Christian beliefs. Mm. I get on the phone with the coach, I don't want to say his name yeah, because yeah. you would know him and a yeah. lot of people probably would. Afterwards, I'd yeah. love to know. Yeah. I, I'm curious. <laughs> uh, and uh, I get on the phone with him. I'm just kind of like talking like, whoa, what's going on here? And they basically were like, yeah, we feel, I feel like you definitely promote premarital sex too much. And, uh, you know, uh, we don't, that goes against all of our Christian beliefs. I said, I'm a Christian. How's that supposed to make me feel? You wow know? yeah and uh and i'm getting real you want to yeah, get, yeah. real? Let's get real it. let's okay. get real because well, i relate to this yeah well that's how i felt with him i was yeah. like if you want to go there let's take it there you yeah, know yeah and uh and and i also know for a fact he's had premarital sex but that's <laughs> and i also know that his his team members his his closer who got me into the mastermind yeah. was getting get, using my dating advice to have premarital sex <laughs> and still is right so Dude, i love it man. so Thanks for keeping it real about that. Yeah. Now I see why my son loves you, but keep, now yeah. I love you too, but keep going. Yeah. yeah. So, and so this guy, um, 
I literally, he literally quotes Bible verses at me for five minutes straight on the phone off the top of his head, everything he could think of that basically is evidence on why premarital sex is bad, Mm. you know, and he did it from the frame of you're bad. We can't work with you type of thing. And, and or, but he wanted me to change it. He wanted me to change the branding and keep paying him. You know what I'm saying? So you want me to completely flip, flip my whole business anyways. So I, I thought it was like, this is, are you serious? I put my phone on mute and set it down. I was like, he's still quoting Bible verses at me, you know? Um, what did it make you feel raw, raw, raw feel? What did it make you feel like? Pissed. Did, yeah. Hurt. Yeah. feel like you weren't, weren't respected or so I've, I, that experience with how that all kind of panned out has made me kind of question the way some Christian groups are run these days. And it has given me the feeling, knowing what I know now about marketing and stuff and like in-group, out-group bias, it makes me feel like it's become more of a cult rather than a a way of life. You know what I'm saying? And I'll agree with that because think about it. There's 3.2 billion Christians in the world. Yeah. The Catholic Church has, what, $10 billion in art and money? Uh, You know, 400,000 churches in America? You're going to leave the world looking like this? I I mean, listen, what about all the churches in Phoenix? These homeless people have nothing, man. You know, the inner cities are, are, you know, these homeless teen shelters. Listen, dude, I took my son in and out of homeless teen shelters. You know, uh, I've been in over 100 homeless teen shelters. Right now, what I'm doing in Maddox Missions is we are going to, one by one, we are going to paint and, you know, decorate every homeless teen shelter in America. Like, why hasn't Christianity already done this? Our homeless teen shelters have crap food. They have, they have great dingy looking walls. Many of them have no air conditioning. And I can take, these are not, these are not, this, these are not teenagers that are in these shelters, Patrick, because they robbed a bank, they raped somebody, you know, they're jerks. No, these are innocent teens that have been in and out of foster homes that, you know, I've met them that have cuts all the way down their wrists. And I ask them, why do you do that? Because I talk raw with them. When I get up and talk to them, that's how Caleb Maddox grew up speaking in homeless teen shelters. That's why he's so powerful now. And uh, because that's not easy to speak in those environments. But there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of brokenness. You know, they have no family. Their dad's in prison. Their mom's dead. They have no grandmas. Uh, They've been in and out of foster care. Many of them have been raped and abused. Uh, it's depressing in there. I've been, I've gone in there, Patrick, where there were 200 homeless teens, teens. And all I kept thinking as I looked in their eyes is what if that was Caleb, you know, and that's why I'm so on a mission and I'm disappointed with religion. That's why I'm kind of like, I'm kind of rebellious too, because, you know, I was a pastor. I was a, I was a world leader in Christianity. I had millions, um, that follow my my principles and church growth and soul winning. And I was I was well known. I had a movement. And I left it because I was an honest dad that I couldn't take my son into a world that was gonna take him away from God. Even though I believe in God. I prayed today. You know, I prayed, you know, I spend a couple hours a day with God, you know. But I'm on his mission, you know, and I keep it real too. You know, I've had sex outside of marriage, and uh, 
you know, I, I had a glass of wine last night. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got high. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, who can, no, pastors can't talk like this. But a lot of them do it. A lot of them just are fake. A lot of them are just, a lot of churches have millions and they're doing nothing for widows, uh, fatherless kids. I mean, my son's probably bought well over 200 bikes for fatherless kids growing up. Think about that. Yeah. You know, think about, you know, how many kids, I would say hundreds, that have LeBrons and Nike Jordans because Caleb and I would see fatherless kids with no, you know, horrible looking shoes. You talk about changing a man, you know, uh, fatherlessness is the curse of America. Mm. And uh, a lot of these boys don't have, uh, they don't have, they don't have a male role model. They don't have somebody to teach them. And that's why there's so many problems. It, it's so what I'm trying to do is help heal our fatherless kids and uh, also try to help end fatherlessness by helping heal our teens and our, our broken, you know, our, I'm disappointed in religion. I'm disappointed in the NBA. I'm disappointed in all the sports. I'm disappointed in Hollywood. And I'm disappointed in Disney World. How with all these resources do you leave 1.5 million homeless teenagers and you leave veterans sleeping on the streets and you talk about Black Lives Matter? Dude, I can show you millions of black, beautiful black people that they have no food. They're sleeping on the streets and white people. But I'm telling you, like, our world is, is in some illusion right now, you know. So, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, I miss church. I miss, I miss, I miss the church I was in. I was in the Pentecostal church. There's not a better, in my opinion, you know, there's not a better. That's what I was telling you earlier. And I miss it, too, you know. But I also am scared of it. I'm almost kind of like, you know, you're praying for me to be saved. I told some of my family the other day, I said, you know, you're praying for me to be saved. I'm praying for you to be saved, <laughs> meaning, you know, I'm actually praying for some of my family and friends to be saved from religion. Because religion will, religion killed Jesus, or, you know, and here you are, you're, you're changing young man's lives that probably didn't have a father. Young and old. Yeah, and old. You're yeah. right, and old. Because they either didn't have a father. How, like Caleb Maddox, okay, the, he, the last thing he struggles with is talking to girls. Yeah. Why? Because he has you for a yeah, father. I mean, <laughs> he lived with a master for 18, yeah. 17 years. Yeah. Anyway, enough about that. There's my, what are your thoughts on all that I just shared? Ah, oh, man. Well, I totally agree with the homeless problem. And, you know, I... I'll be honest, I was kind of naive to it when I especially when I lived in Scottsdale, but when I moved to this apartment specifically, it was like I was depressed for 2 weeks cuz I go from Scottsdale where you don't see it, <sighs> yeah. uh, at least not out in the open, not as much here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I come here and it's everywhere, you know, and it kind of made me feel, you know, scared. You know, for my like just the power of environment, it made me feel like I don't want to end up there. And at the time, my business was still young, you know, so that was a real fear for me. Uh, obviously, I would have been able to just like hit on my mom and be like, hey, can I come home? But I don't I didn't want to do that. And I think the fact that I burnt the boats allowed me to not do that. You <sighs> wow. Know? Yeah, that's powerful thought. Yeah. But I, I totally agree. It is a problem. And, and one thing blew my mind um, when I first started living here. I had a, 
you know, I was working at a restaurant part time while I was trying to get the dating advice thing off the ground. And I had, you know, because we get paid in cash every night as, as a server. So I had a, uh, several ones in there um, and some 20s. I have it all in 20s and ones and like try to get it as condensed as possible. Um, so there's a homeless guy sitting here, black, you know, right in front of our door at like 10 p.m. on a Tuesday night or something. Yeah. And uh, he's just sitting in the rocks. And I just went up and talked to him for like 30 minutes and then gave him whatever ones I had. And he told me something that blew my mind. He's like, you know, honestly, it's not, you know, we don't always want money. Sometimes we just want conversation, you know? What he just said was so powerful. I hope you just slow down and listen to that because you're right. Sometimes it's not about the money or even the the food. Sometimes they want to feel like a human. What did that feel like to you? Did it feel good? I mean, did, well, what did yeah. it feel like to hear that? I've I've had a couple moments like that with homeless people where I've given them something in the moment, whether it's food or just conversation like that, and I've always felt really like I'm riding on a euphoria, you know, for a little bit. You know, it felt great because whatever stress I have is nothing compared to what he's dealing with, you know? Yeah, I've had to sometimes, uh, sometimes I have to take a break from the homeless because, and even from my mission, because my soul feels them. Mm. I'll feel hunger pains. I'll feel heartbreak. I'll feel, because it's just, I'm, I'm their leader. You know, I'm here in modern day right now. And uh, in, in the, the world has never been more broken. And I just raised Caleb Maddox, you know, that took everything I had. (laughs) And, you know, I've spent just a year, just can't even imagine. But, dude, I'm here to heal. I'm here to help heal the homeless and help give them hope. Because there is hope, you know. But but there's not hope if we keep doing it the way we're doing it. You know, there's a saying that says, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing. Everybody wants everything to get back to normal. That wasn't the message. Listen, you're spiritual. You know, this this whole COVID thing was a spiritual message. Call it God. Call it the universe. Call it nature. Call it the cries of 20 million children that are trapped in sex trafficking. Call it, you know, call it the cry of our veterans and you know, uh, unborn babies or whatever. Call it the cry of the poor. Call it the cry of, you know, of nature, how we treat animals, how we treat nature, the deception of, of Hollywood, the deception of the government, the deception of media. Uh, dude, that stuff can't win. There's karma. So we all just went through a major uh, karma, you know, ass kicking, if you would. Yeah. And the, the, it was supposed to be about an awakening. It was supposed to take us back to nature, back to family, back to love for America. I mean, we're supposed to have this big awakening of a patriotism. We're, America's lost. We're so lost we don't realize how lost we are. I mean, we're, you know, the sad thing about people that are deceived is they don't know they're deceived. Yeah, that's scary is when you don't even know you're deceived. And that's where a lot of people are is because of the inputs, you know, inputs create outputs. You know, the the condition of our world has nothing to do with with President Trump or Joe Biden. Zero. This has everything to do with what's been happening spiritually. Um, Our attitudes. uh, We're spoiled Americans. Uh, We're supposed to get back to gratitude and humility. Supposed to get back to family and friends and love and yeah. and one race and, and and supposed to you know maybe the church's building should have been shut down maybe God's pissed that they're not in the shelters and in the streets you know I mean all of this is a message yeah 
Anyways, that's <laughs> my COVID rant for the day. <laughs> I think I told you uh, on your birthday, I was like, dude, if one word to describe you would be passion. And you're like, well, I have a thing called passion for parents. Yeah, so. parents with passion. Yeah, yeah, thank you. It makes sense. Well, because everybody wants my advice on how I raise Caleb. Yeah. And I started to put together a course. And I'm like, hey, listen, the only, there's only one way. And that's passion. That's it. If you have passion... Same thing in business, love anything. If you put passion into whatever you're doing, dude, you can go through hell and back and you'll still end up on top. You know, and so, yeah, thank you for that. Passion is where it's at because we only live once. We were born from passion. Yeah. You were born Literally. because your father had an orgasm. That's passion. <laughs> Damn, I've never thought about it like see, that. See, that's why we don't, see, we don't have sexual teaching. We wonder why we're sexually dysfunctional. Think about our sexually dysfunctional society. We have politicians selling babies to drink their blood and have sex with them. I mean, let's think about that a minute. This is a true story. True story. We have politicians. We have, holly, we have pastors. We have popes. We have, uh, you know, we have police officers. We got some people in high places that are literally involved in having sex with children, yeah. okay? Uh, porn is a billion-dollar... Porn, watching other people have sex. In a world when we can have sex 24-7... For some reason, we're so sexually twisted that porn is a billion-dollar industry. Yeah. Okay. Then you talk about the the gay and lesbian movement. Okay. That's oh, that's that's gone crazy. We can talk about anything, right? Uh, yeah. We're sexually dysfunctional. Uh, people are wanting sex with animals and children, and men are wanting sex with men and women. Wait a minute. The only reason any breathing human being is on Earth is because of a penis and a vagina, a man and a woman. Like, that is the healthy sexual energy that came out of orgasm, that came out of passion, that came out of most people that had sex were in love. They were feeling the, like, you can't have an orgasm without the, the sexual energy. So, we're, we're on earth because of sex. Yeah. God created sex. But who talks about sex? Nobody, you're not allowed to. Now talk about like, sex. Yeah. Don't talk about sex in church. Don't talk about sex in, you know, and, and, and when I start talking about it, you know, I get laced on my social media sometimes yeah. by all these Christians. I can't believe, like our children need to hear this because our children, all they're seeing is 5,000 images a day. TikTok, you know, uh, the average American watches what? You know, four hours of TV. It's nothing but sexual images. It's nothing but, yeah. you know, uh, innuendos. It's nothing but just programming. And we need sexual breakthrough. Mm -hmm. We need sexual healing. And we need to realize the power of passion comes from our sexual birth. We're supposed to be on earth passionately living, creating, serving, changing the world. Like, what's your vision? What's your dream? Like, what's your cause? What cause are you fighting for? So that's kind of where my passion comes from is like, you know, I had a passionate grandfather. He was a Marine. Mm. My dad was very passionate, you know, very strict, uh, very tough, you know, but very loving. And I tell people all the time, look, as parents, you, you, there's, only, there's only one way to be with your children. And that's loving is heaven, tough as hell. And that's how I was with Caleb. His, wor his world was a dream and a nightmare. A nightmare because of the discipline, because of the, you know, his brain never got a break from mission. Yeah. 18 years of his life, his brain has never had a day off of me flashing 
Even now on my Instagram, most of my Instagram as a dad is just constantly subliminally flashing messages at my son because I know what kind of mission he's on. Mm. Anyways, that's where the passion comes <laughs> yeah, from. Yeah, hell yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I'm curious, well, man. Uh, well, once, is it overwhelming? Is this too much? No, this is great. Uh, one one story that I've been that you guys told at your birthday a couple weeks ago um, that I've been thinking about, and it, you just reminded me of it in your story there because I, I wonder what it would be like being on in your shoes and also on his shoes, and if I would have done the same thing which is the story of you basically he's going over to Grant Cardone's and he's like, well, Grant Cardone's going to make me pitch. And you're telling him, nah, he's not going to make you pitch. And he's like, well, should I practice just in case? And you're like, no, you're good. And then (laughs) you set him up to have him be put on the spot and pitch. Right. So I'm curious on like, obviously you said you did it intentionally. Did you know how it was going to turn out or did you have faith or did you have a hypothesis? What was kind of your thinking then? And then, you know, what would you have done had he kind of like done the opposite of what he did, which was crush it, you know, because it's, it's okay to not crush it every yeah, time. Yeah, you know? he's failed, you know. Yeah. Failure's the game. Failure to me is really the secret sauce of success. To me, it's like, give me somebody that says, I want to succeed, and I'll tell them, you only have one focus, fail. Mm. You want to succeed? The higher you want your success, the deeper your failures have to be because there is no success without risk, without power, without, you know, without the ability to handle pressure. You cannot have high level success without being tough mentally, emotionally. You got to have the ability to take the knocks. You got to have the ability to get, you know, business is brutal. You know, there's betrayals, there's there's bankruptcies, there's losses, there's there's a lack of sometimes cash, you know. And so obviously Caleb had the gift of playing baseball. Baseball is a beautiful game. If I could get every parent to get their young boys playing baseball and even their girls playing softball because it's a good game. It's a good game to teach you about, you know, to me there's no better sport that teaches you about the true analogy of success and failure Mm. that, Hey, you know what? You're going to get out more than you're going to, you're going to actually suck more than you succeed. Can I tell you the truth? My 45 years, I have done some amazing stuff. If I broke it down, we'd be here two more hours. I'm not kidding. If I broke down the actual amazing state, they say you don't really recognize a genius until he's gone. Mm. You know, I already know people aren't going to recognize the stuff I've done because I'm years. I'm, I'm literally 50 years ahead in my, in my brain and my strategy and my soul and my vision, even in how I parented Caleb. You know, I'm a man on a mission. I'm here from a different world. I'm here to solve the biggest problem, fatherlessness, you know. So I had to become the greatest dad. And then, dude, I went through some losses, man. You know, Caleb's life was not easy. Caleb's life was tough. It was heaven and hell. Uh, His mom's very passionate. Caleb has an amazing mother. She's, you know, and that's why I tell him, Caleb, you call your mom every day, you know, and and they didn't see eye to eye either, just like Caleb and I didn't see eye to eye. And his mom definitely and I, we co-parented for 14 years. <sighs> that was tough. That was, it was like, I feel like I could be the next Dr. Phil. 
because I've navigated through every scenario you could imagine. You know, I was a stepson from, you know, with the dad that I wanted to kill when I was a kid to now I love and respect him. You know, I went through times when I hated my dad, you know, uh, my mother, you know, she gave me to my father when I was two years old and, you know, I'm 45 and in 43 years, I've never really truly been able to truly feel her true love. You know what I mean? So like I've seen real life, man, you know, I, my, my son's mother had an affair, you know, uh, my best friend died of cancer. Uh, another best friend, you know, his wife's calling me screaming. Something's happened to Tim and I walk in his, his daughter's screaming. She's screaming and he's, he dropped out of a heart attack. You know, I mean, I've had real losses, you know, I've had real life scenarios. I've had, you know, I've made a million in four markets. I've lost millions. I've made stupid business decisions. I've, you know, but I've had a lot of wins. So, you know, I wanted, I wanted to get Caleb ready for the real world. And, you know, he grew up in a Christian school and he grew up, you know, in the church world. And that can become unrealistic. That can almost weaken a man sometimes, uh, you know, especially, you know, and I'll get deeper on. We'll probably, I mean, how long do you usually go on your podcast? As long as we want. Yeah. I mean, my God, that's what I love about you. It's like flow here. Yeah. But, you know, so I, a lot of what I did with Caleb was intuitive, dude. I, but I spent a lot of time with masters. Uh, so, and we've been blessed to be in the presence of masters. Uh, and I, more is caught than taught. So I ask the best questions when I'm with these masters, but I study them. I listen to them. I've been a student, you know, I've been deep into personal growth. I've been deep into spirituality. I'm a very spiritual person. I do walk with God. I hear from God. I mean, I have visits from angels, you know, I mean, I've had real spiritual experiences. Mm -hmm. I've seen you know, I've been in places most people will never go and I've heard stories most people and I've, so it's put me in this place of perspective of life and I just didn't want Caleb to turn 18 and get into a world this crazy and not be equipped. Yeah. So like, there's like, I have peace. I set my son free in the craziest America that we've ever seen. Think yeah. about it. <laughs> America's never been this crazy. And you know, it's it was stressful and tough as a dad because he's he's a man now he's 18 but i have peace because he's tough he's disciplined he's you know he knows how to make money he's got character he's smart i taught him a lot of military ways we mm. we're very we're very militaristic in our uh we're very military oriented even though we personally didn't go through the military but I've had so many deep conversations with my uncle and my grandfather. Yeah. And, you know, those are some good principles to pass on to our young men, our kids. You know, I think our kids are too weak. You know, I tell parents, you know, everybody's trying to worry about that we're too, I don't want to be too tough on our kids. No, that's not the problem. The problem is we're too easy on them. Yeah. Problem is, you know, we don't, we don't, we as parents, you know, most parents' brains are fried because of the world they grew up in. So yeah, all the stuff I did with Caleb was very intuitive, but it was also my inputs, you know, and just kind of from sports, from military, from my masters, and just kind of like my love for him, my commitment. You got to realize the deeper the commitment, the more you're open. The deeper your commitment to something, the more you're connected to God. There is some kind of God energy that comes to to a deep commitment. Well, dude, I walked away from success to be Caleb's, to be the great dad I am, to give, like to homeschool Caleb, to coach his baseball, to spend the time with him, you know, 
turning off my phone when school was over at three o'clock and not turning it back on until he went to bed. Every day. Like that's commitment, man, when you own a business and you're you're a worldwide speaker. I mean, I traveled the world. I led a movement. I juggled a lot of stuff. I co-parented with his mother, you know. There was a lot to balance, but there was a commitment that Caleb was my 24-7. Well, uh, probably when he was about 10, dude, I walked away from everything. I was making an easy probably 40 to 50K a month. I was living good. And, uh, you know, I, I just realized, you know, my son's going to be 18 in eight years. What am I going to regret when he turns 18? Mm. And I made a list of everything I would regret, you know, when he turns 18. And I determined not to do any of this, even though I wasn't perfect. You know, it was. And so Caleb is not. See, my story about Caleb is not about his success. That's going to happen because, you know, <laughs> Uh, greatness just rises to the top. Mm. You know so, what I mean? So you almost subconsciously were saying if he crushes it, it's a win. If he doesn't, it's he a learns. big win. Yeah. If he fails, it's a win because there's no way to get hurt. Yeah. Because our belief is all things work together, you know, and uh, our belief is, you know, uh, we create our own reality. Our belief is you take 100%. So he he has some deeper beliefs that that give him strength when bad he's he's not too bad life's not easy it doesn't look it's listen and you know this you know uh everybody looks at our lives our lives our successes and they assume it's just all we wake up at noon we go and hit a few drinks and then just goof off no like we work hard man we're not drinking we're smoking (laughs) (laughs) come on anyway so what are your thoughts on this does this make you want to have a son well i've been thinking about it a lot you know i just i just turned 30 this year and i've So young. I know. I I feel like I'm at a place where I don't feel like I'm ready for kids. But at the end of the day, do you ever feel ready? And second, I do feel I've always had the vision or the dream of being a younger father. So having a kid in my 20s, which I didn't get the chance to do simply because my dad was 45 I think he was 40 when I was born. I remember his 45th birthday, which is ironic because he also had ice cream cake. Oh, man. (laughs) I remember that was the first time I had ice cream cake. Dude, I didn't even know that was ice cream cake, by the way, until it melted. I'm like, oh, my goodness. But anyway, let's keep going. (laughs) Bring it out into a hot air zone. You and your dad real close? Uh, Well, he passed away from cancer like almost 10 years ago. But, yeah, we were really close. How old were you, man? Uh, 21. 20 28 because you're 30 now. Yeah, so... Um, speaking of the military, he, uh, Vietnam vet. Your dad? Yeah. Yeah. What was his name? Rod. Rod. Rodney. Man, we got to do something in honor of your dad. Hell Some yeah. kind of, is a, a picture with the name Rodney or something in here. Something I, I like. I have some memorabilia that definitely has a lot of sentimental value from him, but it's at my mom's house in Kansas. So your dad was a Vietnam vet. Vietnam Dude, vet. that's that's celebrity status. See, yeah. we we have the wrong we have it flipped upside down this whole thing of <laughs> yeah. celebrity in our world. That's yeah. another thing that's coming crashing down right now. Uh if if any of if and we'll get back to your dad in a second, but if any of you watching and listening are chasing to become a celebrity, it's going to be the saddest chase of your life cuz by the time you get there, most people will be so disinterested cuz our world is awakening. It's awakening. There's a rebirth happening. So people like your dad, Rodney, yeah, are like heroes. Those are real heroes. Those are like people that like, you know, 
should be honored. Those are people that we should, every street name should have the na- last name of a veteran. How cool would that be? Really? Yeah. We should change that in America. Yeah. You know, so he was a Vietnam vet. Was he, was, was he, did he have some PTSD from that? Uh, man, that's, I don't think he had a lot of PTSD in the traditional sense, but there was definitely some trauma there. I was telling Chris and Kate this other day. Um, some of my earliest memories, me and my dad, uh, he, he, we had like a basement main level and then upstairs. So we would always go to the basement. He had a bar down there and I was a kid from like age two to, uh, I don't know, nine, 10 years old. Um, we would sit down there in the basement at night. He would make a whiskey Coke and he would tell me war stories. Dude, isn't that magical, bro? Yeah. Seriously. That's getting me choked up, man. Yeah. Just the thought of him having a whiskey and Coke and telling you war stories. Yeah. And I think that for him was almost therapeutic because I'm a kid, you know, literally three years old, four years old. I don't know what he's talking about. And he's crying, you know, and he's sh- showing me newspaper articles. He's showing me, you know, those fucking old films. Where you put it on the fucking thing and it spins the reel, you know, he, you know, he's, he's showing me Man, old videos what a legend, dude. Yeah. And you didn't really appreciate it in that moment, did you? I, I wish mean, you I would, loved it, but yeah. not even nowhere near where you're thinking now, right? Yeah. What and do you wish? a helicopter pilot. What do you wish? Uh, I wish that I could have talked to him as a 30-year-old man yeah. from that perspective, knowing what I know now. Absolutely. You know? No, I feel you on that with my grandfathers. And don't you kind of wish we'd have video? Like, I, most conversations I have with Caleb or I have on video or audio. Mm. And sometimes like that, because I'm always like, one day, one day you will cherish these. Your kids will cherish these. Don't you wish you'd have done more like video, those conversations? Yeah, or? yeah, 100%. You know, I'm sure there was some juicy shit dropped in those conversations, but it's just, you know, he's he's talking to a kid. It's like me talking to my dog, you know, my little cute puppy who doesn't know Is that know therapeutic, anything. by the way? Because uh, I'm thinking about getting a dog. <laughs> I, I need some therapy in my life. You know, warriors need therapy. You know, I'm a yeah. warrior, dude. Your dad was a warrior. Oh, yeah. Vietnam vet. Drafted, became a retired lieutenant colonel, and he was drafted. He was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. Dude, what a legacy. Yeah. What a legacy, man. Yeah. And honestly, he retired the year I was born. So as a lieutenant colonel. So that was a whole other life that I didn't even know, you know? So looking back, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, the military never leaves you, you know, did a lot of those uh, ways kind of translate into how he fathered you? I I would say so. hundred percent. He was very much about, he was probably the most disciplined person I know. Um, Very disciplined, great leader. He would just like in groups, like we, we had a condo at the Lake of those arcs. Like he was already, I mean, just naturally they made him the president of the condo association. Like, so just, but he's a guy who is a leader because he's experienced shit, mm, you know, like real life. Said. He was a foster child before he was drafted. Wow, dude. Because he was abused as a kid. You know? Wow. So down in your future, there will be some kind of calling for you to foster, to foster kids. Possibly. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's why. Because there's no accidents. Like, dude, there, there's the, the fact that you were born to the mother and father that you were. Mm. And in the family line, see, we're here to heal our family. Yeah, we're here to heal our, but part of healing our family is, is healing what broke our family in the past. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, and I'm not saying now, and it might be just at Christmas like time. A, it might, but like there's a something yeah, there's, that carries through yes, generation to generation that you heal it. Like for, yeah. there's a lot of fatherlessness in my family. 
Mm. You know, my mom's life was dramatically impacted from that. You know, my grandfather's dad died at war from causes of war. Think about that. He grew up without a dad because his dad died at war. So like you're called on this earth to be to be healers and uh, healers in the area that you've been hurt the most. So listen closely to, and it doesn't mean you're going to, it just means down the road, there's going to be yeah. something in your life with foster kids. It don't mean you're going to adopt one. It might be that you adopt a foster, maybe for all the foster homes in, in Phoenix. Yeah. Cause you're going to get richer yeah. than you 100%. already are. And sooner or later, it's going to become a game of how many people can I, can I help and give? And yeah. it's probably for you. It's going to be foster care is a major cause right now. There's a lot of pain in foster care. Mm. Uh, it's probably the number one source of human trafficking. Really? Yeah, absolutely. dude. Wow. Think about it. That's crazy. They go get those kids. They own them at that point. Yeah. Money, dude, money rules the world, man. Don't think it don't happen. It happens, yeah. man. But anyways, I, I, I want to come back to that in a second. Um, but, uh, let's put a little pause on that because I want you post a lot about the the child trafficking that's going on, right? Yeah. Um, but I, going back to what you said, kind of like the generational energy. You know, it's funny. Uh, I see a lot of parallels between Kate's life, my girlfriend, and my dad's life. You know, she was raised by her aunt and uncle. Luckily, she had like that father and mother figure for that reason. But her mom is out there crazy. You know, her mom. Not only did she have so first off. She does, she's never met her father. Her mom uh. was a teenager who got pregnant with her. Father was a foreign exchange student at the same high school and, you know, fucked off, didn't want the child, right? So he's never, she's never met him. Uh, I think that's where she gets her looks, mm. <laughs> was her father's side. Anyways, her- she never met her father. Never met her father. Had, her mom was bringing men around, but she uh. had two little brothers. Yeah. All three of them different fathers. Uh, but the, the, the men that she was dating- would abuse Kate. So uh, Kate's not even, so Kate would be mad if I even, if she heard me even talking about this, but yeah. uh, I won't go into details, but sure, basically yeah. she's, she's experienced abuse in a similar fashion to what put caused my dad to be father or like put in a foster home. Uh, so she had her mom still around, but her mom, uh, you know, obviously doesn't have custody of her or her siblings. And so she was raised by her aunt and uncle here in Arizona. Um, so it's, there's a lot of details I left out, but that's the basic gist. So, you know, maybe, maybe things do happen for a reason. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely, man. That's a powerful story she has, you know. Yeah. Do you think she's going to one day maybe share that? Oh, yeah. She's told me what she, so she just, she's turning 26 this week, right? Yeah. So she's still young. Um, and, and I dating me, you know, I'm not trying to toot my horn her a little bit, but like, Dating me has opened her eyes to a new way of looking of at the course, world. Of course, yeah. Because I dropped out to become a dating coach. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm building a business. So she's seeing business, entrepreneurship, being self-made, you know, taking risks, things like this, personal development. This is stuff that she was never exposed to before she met me, you know. And so uh, dating me, now she has kind of like she's looking forward, setting goals. She wants to literally, I guess – be the next Dr. Phil type figure, but for basically fatherless or motherless children. Absolutely. Or children man, who that's are abused, amazing. You know? Yeah. That's her grand vision. And so I know for a hundred percent fact, she'll do that one day. You know, it, it's interesting to see how my priorities might change moving forward too. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that's powerful. And she will do that. Yeah. She will, because that's that's part of the purpose and the pain sometimes 
is God, the universe, whatever your followers want to say. They trust us. Yeah. You know, God, tr- I can say God, you know, God trusts me with the pain because I'm going to use, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to use, this pain made me stronger. This pain made me, made me more humble. It made me more deep. It made me more real. It made me more grateful. But you turn that pain and you, you go heal those that have experienced that pain and the pain you went through goes away. That's how you heal. You heal by being a healer. Most people mm-hmm. don't know that. Most people stay in victim mode. Yeah. Now you got to go help somebody else. That's the fastest way to get out of a funk is like, go help somebody who has it worse than you. Yeah. You know, watch what happens to your energy. You know, if you're feeling down, call and encourage somebody. You know, if you're feeling lonely, go to a nursing home and bring some flowers to a... Wow. To, a, to an elderly lady randomly, you know, hey, I just wanted to bring these by and give them to you, yeah. you know, and watch what happens, you know, so there's so much we can do to change our state and all of that, but that's, that's awesome that that's she's going to use that as a platform to help us, because guess what, uh, they need people like Kate, because uh, Patrick, there's millions of girls that are literally, see, we forget, when we hear statistics, we forget there's millions of little girls, little innocent girls who are crying for some kind of hope or some kind of healing or some kind of voice or some kind of someone to give them because they are broken. Yeah. Think about it. If there's 20 million fatherless kids in America, let's say half of them are girls. That means there's 10 million little girls with no daddy. You know, that went through what she went through. Yeah. So that that's why we started Maddox Publishing, Caleb and I. Mm. It was about finding the voices of world changers, finding the voices of healers, finding the voices of people that are 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 like yourself. Like you're yeah, you're a business, but you're a brand. You're like bigger than a business. Like you're you know, so that's what enticed us to start it because we've always wanted to lead leaders. Because we're here to love and serve the followers, but we want to awaken people like Kate who have a powerful story and a powerful mission. Because mm. it's going to take two things. It's going to take somebody that knows how to tell your story and uh, you know knows how to write the book, you know, and then also knows how to to really like get that story out there, get that message out there, get on the biggest stages, the biggest podcast, every radio, every TV, just, you know, I taught Caleb when he first got started, go everywhere. You know, I had him doing sales calls every day to churches, sell a hundred copies, sell a hundred, call him up right now. I mean, what do you do? There's 400,000 churches in America. Every one of them has their number on Google. So you have unlimited leads. I was like, you call them up. I'm 12 years old. How many children do you have in your kids? I just wrote a book for children. How many kids do you have in your church? I'd like to give you a good deal, sir. I mean, obviously, I'm condensing his pitch. He had a smooth pitch he created. Dude, he was selling boxes of his books. Wow. So one phone call was now worth $1,200 to him. All he needed to do was the church to say, yes, I'll buy, you know, I'll buy 100 books. Well, good. Normally, it would be, you know. XX, but I'll send them to you, you know, right now for, you know, and he would do it for like $700, $1,000 or whatever. Yeah. And that's kind of how he broke through was just staying in that rhythm of, I'm here to tell my story. Yeah. You know, I want my story everywhere. And too many people are not that way. They, they have this story 
and this mission. And, you know, it's probably either because of either, you know, either lack of training. It's probably also because of a lack of um, confidence. It could be also because people don't know what's possible once they set themselves free. Once they set themselves to free to say, I can do this in 30 days. You know, uh, someone like, for example, let's say Kate was watching. I would tell your girlfriend, I would be like, hey, you know what? Write your book before Christmas. You know, get it to every juvenile center in America. Get it to every, you know, foster care home and get yeah. it out to all these broken girls and, you know, parent, get it get it to daycares, get it to churches, get it to wherever their parents are. Mm. Because, dude, there's no good books. You know, yeah, there's millions, of, but there's no good books. Yeah, there are. Let me... Yeah. <laughs> There are zero good books in this world. None of them other than mine. How to get girl now.com. No, no, no. I'm meaning, no, no. I meant to say there's really no good books in our, our prisons or in our yeah. juvenile centers. Mm. You know, uh, there's just not. I go in there and I look at the books and there's no inspirational books. We need inspirational books. Yeah. So tell your girl to write her book, man. <clears throat> the, yeah, I mean, so first off, I do think that's a, a vision of hers. Now, here's what I think about her as well. I see from the outside looking in, I feel like her strength, the things that she probably gets annoyed at, the fact that she tries to, she wants to be in control of a lot of things. She's very independent. She doesn't like to be relying on others, right? These are things that have come through developing thick skin in her life, right? But my observation, and I'm sure she would express this sentiment too, is I don't think she's ready yet to, to tell face the demons, yeah, of course, you know? that's normal. So. Oh, and that's so true, especially for a lady, man. Yeah, what you just said is so true. That's hard for a lady. Mm. That's so vulnerable, man. To to share something like that is they they relive some of the the experiences. It can cause because I've walked with a lot of people. You know, we have one in our uh, Maddox Publishing now, Michelle. Uh, she was raped by her youth pastor. Gave wow. birth at age sixteen. Uh, had to be sent off to talk about the church had to be sent off, you know, four hours away to live with his family. Cause it didn't look good for her to be pregnant, you know, wow. in front of the whole church. And so now she's 16 living with strangers, carrying a baby and she's about to give it up for adoption. And I could go on and on and dude, one, it's so emotional for them to revisit these stories. So you're so right. It's a readiness, man. Yeah. She, you sense that she's not ready or nah, she's, she's expressed it? I mean, I can just tell from the fact that she hasn't 100% opened up about a lot of that stuff to me yet. And I'm getting in in glimpses over time, you know? And I, I just know, like, <laughs> literally because I asked her, hey, do you want to go to this workshop where it's like, I don't even know quite what it was, but it's basically helping you overcome a lot of like child trauma and shit. Yeah. That's and real. She was stuff. like so turned off by the idea of yeah. doing that. Yeah. I didn't want to do it. And I couldn't see why at the time I was like, why this is going to be beneficial. Everybody says they love it, but I didn't realize cause I haven't experienced what she's experienced. She's just not ready to face it yet. You know, when she's ready, she will. Oh, so normal. Yeah. So normal. There's stuff I'm going to write that I'm not ready to share. Yeah. You know, what about you? What are you going to write, Pat? You already wrote one. Yeah, you're right. What's the next book? 
Uh, I know there will be one day. Hey, how do my followers follow you? Because I'm going to save my battery and have Chris turn that yeah. off. Uh, how do they follow you? I want everybody to follow you. Uh, just look me up, Patrick James, on YouTube. So the podcast is called Hashtag Raw and Relentless. But if they want like your boot camp, if uh, I got they, some I got some young men that might need your boot camp. You type in uh, Patrick James. I'll be I'll the first one in. to show up. Oh, yeah, I like Patrick that. Patrick James, Raw Dating Advice. I've done good on the Google SEO. Okay, awesome, know? man. Yeah. Uh, guys, thanks for watching. I'm only turning it off to save my battery. So if you want to listen to the rest of our chat, you'll have to jump over on his podcast. It's going to be on YouTube eventually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'll, I'll shoot uh, you the link. It'll be on Instagram, things like that. So Yeah, follow him on Instagram too. All right, Chris, you mind turning me off? I'll stay with you if you... I just yeah. want to save my battery and of course, spit course. out a little Instagram while we're hanging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I have a couple questions that I definitely want to ask you. All right, let's And we go. can... Uh, we can also go into the child trafficking okay. thing here in a second. Hey, hand me that, will you, Bubba? Uh, I'll wait for Chris to get back on the on Chris the camera. Chris is killing it on camera. You talk about a man that's focused. Thank yeah. you, brother. No um, yeah, so. I'm listening. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, I lost my train of thought for a second. All right, we're back. We are back. Sorry about the interruption. <laughs> so you. Save my battery, you know. A while, uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes ago. Mentioned that you had what up, what up, my boy Patrick <laughs> James. Yes, Make sure you follow him. We're having a blast. Hey, dude, how fun's it been so far, dude? I, I feel like we could go for another couple of hours. And we had a blast we, on this podcast. Yeah. How would you sum it up? I'm just curious. Uh real, raw, raw. That's know? the name of it, guys. By the way, make sure you follow Patrick and any of you that are powerful and you're you're raw, you're real. Make sure you connect with Patrick because he's the number one. What are you, the number one dating, dating coach, coach in America right yes, now? Yes, sir. Or in the world. Get my book. And let the re results speak for themselves. Oh, come on. There's yeah. our boy, Chris. Everybody say hi to Chris. Are we live, dude? Uh, no, we're okay. not live. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. I'm ready. What's the question? Um, all right. So you mentioned that you had experienced things and you meet angels every day. And that brought me a question that I wrote down last night because I wanted to make sure to ask you about it. And I have no clue if this will go off in any direction that I cannot predict, right? Yeah, well, I won't embarrass you, so don't worry. Have I embarrassed you yet? Have no, I said hell anything no. that's cringy? Or like I, I was telling, I, I was joking beforehand. I was like, maybe I need to do some psychedelics so I can drop my ego. But honestly, I have no ego. You can't embarrass me. Like, I've embarrassed myself. Literally, I've experienced the hardest thing, which is dropping out of dental school, a sure thing to become a doctor, to become a dating coach with zero subscribers, zero followers, and YouTube videos about picking up women. And the massive social rejection that I faced doing that, especially wow. from family members who don't support my decision to do that, who still don't support that decision, who leave comments and I have to block them on my social media, distant people who are related to me. It's just, there's not a lot of things that will embarrass me or throw me off my game because I've yeah. experienced that. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, I have a story that I would like to share with you, but I'd sure. like to get your thoughts first. Okay. Have you ever experienced anything that you truly cannot explain? Oh my goodness, so much. Uh, First of all, let me clarify for those that are listening. Yeah, I don't see angels every day. Yeah. Uh, I believe there's angels with me every day. Um, but I, I've, I've had a few, probably maybe five encounters with angels. Uh, that's kind of unexplainable. Um, probably one that's very unexplainable was, um, you know, I mean, I was, I was in Sedona, Arizona. And uh, one night I was sleeping outside. A very spiritual weekend, just kind of meditating, writing, creating my movement, parents with passion, 
Maddox missions. So I was kind of in a real deep place of creation and, and, uh, where I'm, what I'm here to do, you know? And, uh, you know, I just woke up in the middle of the night, man, got in, grabbing my arm. And there was this old war vet looking, uh, angel, you know, I had an old, like, you know, rugged hat. just looked like a, an old war vet, you know, power, fire chiseled, you know, and it would happen so fast. Uh, dude, it shook me. It, I mean, at first it scared the, you know what, out of me. And then it gave, I had peace. Like you can't imagine because the message, you know, he had fire in his eyes and he said, I'm here. Like we're, we're, legit yeah, fire? there was a fire coming out of his eyes. It was like a, like this glow, you know, it was like this, um, it's almost like he didn't have eyes, you know, it was like so fast. And so you were in Sedona and you were asleep sleeping, and you felt something grab your arm. Yeah. Something. Was it an aggressive jerk or was it like kind of like a tug? Yeah, it was just a very smooth grab. You know, it was just like, like it, to get your attention, got my attention, woke up and he said, you. yeah, just no, it didn't. He didn't. I mean, it happened so fast. This is what I mean. Unexplainable. Uh-huh. Is that, uh, you know, and then he looked right in my eyes and said, you know, we're coming for the children. We're coming to rescue them. And he was gone. You know, because he say it or did, did he you say hear it? it he said it. No, okay. he said it, man. Okay. Yeah, he said it, and I know that's wow. unexplainable. You know, but that's where you gotta like know that like we're all energy and when it in was the body. Gone, was it like you blinked and then you opened? It was gone, or like it just kind of faded off? It was. It was. It was just a disappearing. It was like a fading disappearing. It happened so fast. Grabbed my arm, told me the message. Looked deep in my eyes. Gone. Wow. It almost not so a fast. dream, not a dream, man. I know the difference. I'm a very normal human. I don't have a lot of weird experiences. You know what I mean? Yeah. At all. Yeah. Uh, but that's just one of them that I that I can't explain. Wow. I've had a couple like that. Huh. What do you think of that? Is that kind of tough? Is it? Is that was that? Is it, what does that feel to you? Is it, is I'm it, trying to process real quick. I'm it's on, okay. I'm yeah. Yeah. This. Yeah. So. Is the image of this person or angel, do you vividly remember what they look like? Dude, I vividly can see it right now as if it's looking at you. And the the fire, it wasn't literal fire. No, it, it was, was like a, it was like, like a, this. A it was passion. like a laser. It was like a it was like a this glow. It was like a it was, like a literal glow. Like yeah, I, just like a laser. Like okay. lasers coming out of his eyes. But I I didn't see lasers. Did it he was look like human? His, yeah, it was in human form. Okay. Any differences from human? Like if you sp- saw him in a crowd, would he look any different? Not at all, man. Okay. I mean, it just was it just was one of those things where he's wearing like a green, you know, almost like looking running into an old soldier. From like the Civil War era? Yeah, something okay. like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stories of this out there, this similar stuff. I mean, this this human trafficking thing is not accidentally being exposed right now. This is Was uh, that something you were passionate about at that time? Or was that something you realized through that experience? No, no, no. I've been awakening up to to the, the horrors of human trafficking since um since last Father's Day. Okay. Yeah, and that was kind of another spiritual experience I had where I felt like I had an out-of-body experience because it was kind of like an awakening to the truth of our world mm. and the neglect of, you know, uh, Hollywood, Disney, and religion. Mm. And, you know, th- they have all the resources, man, you yeah. know? Come on, they have all the resources to heal yeah, our kids. 100%. They're not. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like uh, this has been a, a year where if, you'll see it when you see Maddox Mission's and parents with passion out there and what Caleb's doing with Apex, you'll see it. Hmm. It'll be millions, my friend. I mean, millions of of awakened, powerful people yeah. that are out there just living it the way we're supposed to be living it. Healthy, 
uh, happy, you know, out in nature, you know, yoga, prayer, whatever, you know, experience, spiritual, but physical, but emotional, but financial, but, but also on a mission. You know, we're all supposed to be on a mission. No matter what it is, everybody's got to have a cause. Something, some kind of pain you're healing. Some kind of, someone that can't repay you. You know, who, who, like, you know, for me, it's like I'm trying to think about giving away a thousand turkeys to needy families this year. Right here in Phoenix. Hmm. I'm not thinking about doing that. I'm thinking about putting together a plan. Say, well, that's only a hundred people bringing 10 turkeys to the event. Yeah. And say, hey, we're going to we're going to we're going to market this to the, the companies that know about the neediest families. We're going to have a night of healing. You know, we're going to bring in music. We're going to have motivational speaking. We're going to cater and barbecue and give away a car to a single mom. You know, you can't imagine what it's like to be a single mom, um, you know, raising two or three kids, no child support, no father. Uh, a lot of these moms, buddy, they, they, the best they can do is uh, maybe a job at, at Walmart. Mm. You know, they're raising three future American adults. Yeah. You know, we should be helping the, you know, dude, you know, when I was a pastor, we gave away a car to a single mom on mother's day every year. Wow. Just because it was like, what, a, what, you know, what a church is doing with the money. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, That's I don't know question. how I got off of that, but yeah, <laughs> the, the, yeah. I, so I'm not weird. I have I, I'm just very deep. Yeah. So because I've been in so so many deep spiritual places, I'm obviously more open spiritually because of all my practices and places I've been. I see. So it's probably why I maybe have more deeper experiences like that. Maybe I am here to be a messenger. One of the reasons you know, why yeah. I wanted to ask the question <laughs> is because I had an experience happen to me, ironically at a church. I want to hear it. What was it? And I cannot explain it to this day. And and just full disclosure, I've gone down the UFO conspiracy rabbit hole, right? The okay. whole alien phenomenon. And part of me was trying to think, well, maybe this was that. But then last night I was like, well, I'm going to talk to Caleb's dad tomorrow. I, I knew he was once a pastor and I want to get his input on this. So literally we were doing the Christmas nativity scene. Okay. And uh, first off, I have no idea why I had to preface with the UFO. I just, I got, I, I guess I wanted to do that. I'm into conspiracies. One time we should do a whole show of nothing but conspiracies. I would love that. You uh, have no we idea. can go deep, dude. But anyways, go ahead. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so literally, I, uh, um, oh, so we were doing a Christmas nativity scene where I was playing Joseph and I was a kid and we had a steeple built out uh, behind the church in the, in the, the grass, right? And uh, we came back at night, so it was like a Sunday night. It was a winter in Kansas, so it was a little bit chilly. And we all, the whole congregation was dressed up like, you know, shepherds. And we all, they all had the robes and the staffs and what whatnot. I was dressed like Joseph, obviously, and we were sitting there. So the steeple is wooden, and it's like a half room. So it's like this, and then the roof on top, and everybody's in front of us. And that's what it is. You know, it's like half a box. So I'm sitting in the corner, like I am right here, and literally the whole congregations in front of me they're singing hymns and they give all the kids and all the people there because it's at night glow sticks but i'm a seven-year-old kid i've never seen a glow stick i'm fascinated with what they are mm. you know so the they're handing them out they break it and it lights up they shake it up i'm like yo this is amazing you know and i get mine as a seven-year-old kid and i'm sitting there and i'm obsessed <laughs> with the glow stick and the whole thing is going on Anyways, I see this kid who's playing one of the wise men sitting in front of me, and he's chewing on the glow stick like this. And I'm thinking, oh, 
I want to chew on my glow stick. I'm, I'm a little kid, right? So I put my glow stick up to my mouth. The moment it touches my, my mouth, I hear a voice right here, right behind my head. Whispers. So I can't tell you if it was male or female. It was a whisper. And it said, there's poison in that. You're joking. I swear to God, it said, there's poison in that. Just like that. It sounded just like that. Right here, I'm in the back corner. Everybody's in front of me. We're in the outside in the grass at night. I cannot explain it to this day. Afterwards, I ask my, uh, I go up to the pastor because it's kind of like everybody's walking around, you know, talking to each other after church. I talk to the pastor. I'm like, "Yo, Pastor McKinney, I heard this voice outside. Here's what happened. But first, is there is there poison in this?" He goes, "Yeah, there is. Don't put that in your mouth." And I said, okay, uh, well, I heard a voice that told me there was poison in this and I had no idea. Um, and that's why I asked you. And so right then my dad walks up and pastor Jim McKenney says to my dad, Rod, your son, he says he heard the voice of God outside, <laughs> you know, it's just joking, you know, and they laughed it off and did I'm just a little kid. Yeah. 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 Did you, I mean, what did you feel though? Do you, do you remember feeling that? Did it scare you? Did it make you feel like I, I just was, heard God's voice? No, I thought, uh, I, I didn't know what it was. I thought it was, I, I guess I thought it was God. Yeah. What do you, you know? to this day, like if you're going to go back and think, okay, what was that? What do you think it was? <laughs> so I think that's why I preface with the UFO, because when you go into the conspiracy of the UFO, obviously that leads you into government secrets. I also recently learned that the government CIA was testing remote viewing, psychics, telepathy, things like this, like legit research, legit programs, you know? So I'm thinking, well, I grew up in a army town. The army base is right there. What if one of those psychic people was in the audience? That's one explanation. Another, what if it was a UFO beaming down thoughts to my head? Or third, what if it was a guardian angel? Dude. You know? <laughs> Dude, first of all, you got to love all your three what ifs, bro. That is so powerful. I've thought about it so much. Yeah, yeah. I, I cannot explain it. How am I supposed to know that there's poison in that? It can't be my subconscious. I, this is the first time I've seen a glow stick, mm. you know? So it's not like it was a, a suppressed thought. And, and I heard it vividly. You know, it's almost like someone literally put their face right here and whispered right there. You know? How can you explain that? Well, if you do go biblically, right? That's yeah. how God speaks is is whispers. Okay. Everybody thinks God's voice is this big thunderous like no, it's actually whispers. Okay. And if you'll like for me what I'll do is I'll ask God questions and then I'll I'll just start hearing these these little whispers. And it's not the one you're describing. Yeah. I have before, but not the way you're describing it all the time. You get it? The real voice of God in your life is your intuition. Mm. That could have been your guardian angel. It could have been God. And it could have also been your intuition speaking loudly because who knows what could have happened if you would have. That's what I always think of. I'm like, well, you know, maybe something bad could have happened if I didn't listen to that voice. You know, I could have poisoned myself in front of the whole church. That could have been bad. Um, well, the glow stick never broke. You know, yeah, I, I remember yeah. that. Um, well, what's your spiritual, what are your top three spiritual practices now? I'm curious. I would say one of the ones that it's probably a bad habit, but only because I've let it get there. But um, you, more, more often than not, it's a good habit. Smoking weed, reflecting on my life at night. When I'm trying to tune out of work, you know? Yeah. You know, people don't realize, and this is why, again, the whole religion thing. Mm. 
I did a Facebook post uh, this summer with a marijuana leaf on a Bible. Okay. It was called Jesus Smoked Weed. And it was a whole post about, hey, I know that you're not going to hear this from religion or the government, but marijuana is from God. What, what water is to your body, marijuana is to your soul and to your, your spirituality. It's good for, it's good. Like the benefits, you know? And so this is what I said in my post. I'm like, you know, be careful of people that tell you this is wrong because they're taking away something that came from creation. Mm. Like marijuana does not make you a pothead. It doesn't make you any of these labels. Marijuana is as normal. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, it's got to be used in moderation, you know, but, but, but what is that? You know, it's like people, it's all comes to beliefs. It all comes to like, you know, a person's what they were taught, their programming, their beliefs. I have a belief, of course, I used to have a belief that marijuana was a sin. It was a drug. It's yeah. like, you know, our president last night, he said, you know, I got some good drugs. I mean, <laughs> right on national TV. I'm like, see the, see the illusion where like, you know, alcohol, all the medicine, cigarettes is like, yeah. I mean, as long as you're 21, but like marijuana is like, it's not even legal in Arizona yet. Yeah. How? This is Arizona. This yeah. is the most spiritual state there is. Yeah. You know, so I'm very disappointed uh, still in America that we're frowning on something that's so uh, gifted from God. It's something that's, you know, I believe it would change America. I believe it would really would. I, I wish it was something as normal as people doing at church or home, at, you know, at school. Not kids, obviously, because yeah. of the brain development. But... Anyway, so that's cool. So yours is is that. Do you do any like uh, journaling? You a journaler? I journal, but I'm all, I I've for many years I would journal affirmations. I would journal my goals every day, things like that. Um, today uh, I just got a couple of notepads up there that it's just like real quick sticky notes, and it's like your top six things get done today three things that would be nice to get done, two things that you're definitely not going to get done, you know? And so that's just one sticky pad I bought from the Amazon store uh, at the mall. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I like to do it real quick. You know, if I'm about efficiency, but I do think it's important to at least script your days. You know, I turn these, these, these uh, doors into whiteboards, you know, and I use them to plan. But as far as like journaling, yeah, I'll write down my goals, things like that. Uh, and then the weed, but. Um, what are your thoughts on marijuana? Well, I always, like you said, used to think it was uh, a sin. I thought it was bad. And yeah. I looked down on it. And uh, luckily, I got into it after my brain was fully formed. After I was age 25. I was like 28 when I started smoking. But I started smoking vape cartridges. And yeah. um, it was small, you know. Because before, I, I didn't like it. Um, I, I would always just go to sleep, you know. And I would didn't feel like I was in control. But now that I've kind of done it methodically and I started later in life and I'm giving it the respect it deserves. Um, you know, I, I've created, I, I don't think I, my business would be where it is had I not found it. I told on the girls on the double date, they're asking me a lot of questions. I literally said, uh, the de double date I didn't want to be on that mm. I was on, on yeah. involuntarily on, uh, 
I said I didn't consider myself a creative person until I started smoking weed. Absolutely. After I started smoking weed, I'm getting ideas out of left field that I would have never thought of before that uh, have literally taken my business to the next level. The documentary, perfect example. The boot camp, perfect example. These things are are not results of me smoking weed and getting high and becoming a pothead. They're results of me using, like you said, a plant to... Uh, for me, it was an anxiety thing. Yeah, a lot yeah, of absolutely. financial anxiety. Nothing wrong with that. But uh, now it's a creativity thing. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it is. I believe it's spiritual. I believe it's healthy. It's healthy for you physically. Um, it doesn't ruin your brain. It doesn't make you lazy. All the labels, anybody listening, that's all a lie. Hey, you're going to make you lazy. You're a piehead. You're not going to be productive. That's all a lie, man. That's a false belief. I've also found that my ability to connect with people and just have raw conversation like this is way better after I started smoking weed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think I was just in touch with the, as much of my empathetic side without weed. You Absolutely. Know? But the I guess the part that I would say is potentially negative that um, I would be interested to, to, you know, see some studies on it, but I took biology of cancer cell when I was in college, I got a biology degree before dental school. Mm. And you know, one thing that the, the professor always said, smoke is smoke is smoke is smoke. All of it is smoke. All of it's bad for your lungs. It will yeah. all cause cancer. Okay. So when I hear, you know, the, on the, on the weed side, the weed favorable side, you know, weeds, Heals inflammation. It's good for you. It opens up your mind, things like this. Um, but then if I'm thinking in terms of just smoking, well, smoke on a, on a just like a completely other topic than the THC, I wonder how potentially negative that could be on your lungs compared to cigarette smoke, mm, you know? Yeah. You know, I agree with that. And everything in moderation is the number one rule of life. Everything in moderation is like, you know, uh, I do a lot more edibles and mm. like, uh, oils because of that reason. So I, the only reason I have one now is just because I haven't, you know, gotten my edibles in a while. I've just been busy. So it's just a matter of yeah. just, you know, whatever to me, I always refer to it as God's medicine. That's what I call marijuana. I'm like, mm. that's God's medicine. What do you think about DMT? I've never done it. I want to try. I believe that's also from God. I believe everything in moderation. I believe who you're with, where you're at, your environment, your state of mind, your beliefs, your 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 spiritual, um, you know, foundation, your openness to like, you know, just realize this is not evil. This is not wrong. You know, this is something that was put here from creation. And again, everything in moderation. I'm a believer in it. Um, I'm very sad. Again, you can start seeing it popping up. You know, Ann Arbor just made it, uh, you know, uh, where, where it, wasn't, it wasn't considered a crime. Mm. You know, to, to like, how, how can you consider that a crime? Yeah. You know, dude, the, 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 the drugs they make should be a crime. That's yeah. a crime, dude. That's what's killing people. Uh, again, I'm a believer in it because of the spiritual experience you know, case in point, ayahuasca, you know, I would say one, ex, you know, one experience with ayahuasca could be equivalent to five years Have of personal growth. Yes. What was it like? What life changing. Amazing. Happen? Life changing. You're in another realm. You're you, you visit places in your own. Uh, it's just, it is undescribable. It's hard to describe. It's, uh, it's unlike anything you'll ever experience. It, it calls you. So it's probably calling you if you're open to that kind of stuff. 
Um, it's uh, something that you just surrender. You just surrender to it, and you realize, hey, this is this is here to change my life. This is here to you know open my you know think about Steve Jobs. You know, wouldn't have gotten Apple if it wasn't for LSD. Yeah. Damn. It was on LSD. Are you serious? 100%. I didn't know that. Oh, the amount of billionaires that, that you know, those say millionaires study, you know, books, billionaires study astrology. You know, dude, people at the higher level, there's, there's hardly anybody at the higher level that didn't have some type of astrology or DMT uh, or some type of master, some type of higher level training. Dude, nobody gets to the top. With, with just the basics. It just yeah. doesn't work. Mm. That's why the government and, and, you know, religion and all the higher ups try to keep, make it bad. Because if we awaken, they can no longer control us. Yeah. It's all about control, man. Yeah. But ayahuasca is, is I would encourage any adult to uh, be open to an ayahuasca experience, you know, once a year. You ever meet uh, the creatures that people talk about on DMT or ayahuasca experiences? Not as much. I mean, not for mine. I mean, whether it was, you know, whether it was an, an experience with, uh, no, not really. It was more just conversations with my, my grandma, mm. um, who's gone, you know, who, who gave me some very spiritual insights about love and about surrender and realizing I'm taken care of. You realize when you do ayahuasca, you really realize you're taken care of. You really realize, hey, this whole thing in life was 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 for me. You know, the life is for you. Life, mm -hmm. like you're here for big reasons, man. And most yeah. people don't uncover that. Most people just stay in a realm of just confined thinking. Yeah. When you get into these types of experiences, you realize there really are no limits. So, you know, that's why I've been open to these experiences. Mm. You know, why not? God, God's safe, you yeah. know? Yeah. Uh, our energy knows what's right or wrong. Your soul knows the way always. Yeah. On that line of thinking, I, I totally agree with it. And, and what's funny is the story I told you about the voice, right? I have always in my life thought to that moment as like proof that I have a bigger reason why I'm here. You know, it's yeah. crazy. Even at seven years old, I was like, well, the voice could have let me just poison myself, you, you know, but it didn't. It chose not to. Why? You know, and so I just, I got to believe that it's for a reason, you know. It's always for a reason. Patrick, there's nothing in your life that ever happens by accident. Nothing. Nothing in your life happened by accident. And the more you train your brain to, to surrender and live that and understand it, then you get yourself into a higher realm of flow and creativity and confidence. Yeah. To where you're like, you know what? I can't fail. You're on the other side. You cannot fail at this point. Yeah. You might as well do whatever you can dream of. You know, be as creative as you want. Try it all because you're at the point where you can't fail because everything in life now is embracing you. It's pushing you high. You got to realize there's invisible forces pushing you higher, pushing you here. You know, even you and Kate coming together. That's fate. Yeah. Yeah. 
There's You're, 8 billion humans in the world, and you and I are sitting here in this moment. That's fate. That's our energy aligning all of us for the higher good of, hey, we're, we're here to help people. We're here to make a difference. We're here to, to, we're here to experience. We're here to, uh, to grow, to learn, to evolve, to get deeper, to get wiser. You know, we should have the wisdom of grandfathers now. You know, just keep depositing wisdom. And a lot of it's not through books and it's, it's getting around masters. It's doing what we did Sunday night. Yeah. Was that just Sunday night? Uh, yeah. Well, when we get together, that's what we do. We vibe. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. We just vibe. It yeah. is. It's not always about me and Caleb either. It could be about somebody else. It could be just that night happened to be my birthday. So I was telling a lot of oh, yeah. stories and whatever. There was a lot of good vibes that night. Like wasn't the energy amazing. The energy was great. Anyways. Yeah. I got to go in a minute, but yeah, we can come back, dude. I'll come back dude, anytime you want. Anytime, but yeah. Well, what's the, what would be like the one curiosity question that you, and then I'll ask you one. Can you hand me that note card next to you? <laughs> I wrote down some like questions that I was like, I got to ask him this. Huh? Who's the most interesting person you've met? Wow. I mean, Caleb Maddox, no joke. <laughs> he blows my mind. I mean, really, he's the most intriguing human on earth. I, I still can't figure his brain out. Um, but that, that would be one. You know, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger told us, you know, if, if people legitimately don't think you're crazy, you really don't have a vision. Mm. You know, you're just blending in with everybody else. So, you know, being around him was very intriguing because... He did a lot. If you think about all his accomplishments in different areas, ascending to be governor, you know, number one actor, actor, bodybuilder, like, you know, he just did a lot in life, but he also had dark failures. Mm. You know, had an affair with his, with his housekeeper that wasn't even close to being as attractive as, as his wife. Wow. It'd be like, you know, you having an affair on the, the janitor here yeah. when you got K right here, you know, it's like, yeah. it doesn't make sense. So that's deep. It was deep to, to talk to his, to his girlfriend, you know, his now girlfriend, who's, who's not what you would picture to be Arnold Schwarzenegger's girlfriend, mm. not even close. And that whole world was so intriguing because it's not what you think you see when you really get to sit and hear the deeper conversations that, wait a minute, there is a secret there. What he said is right. You know, he told us to break the rules. I mean, he told my 16-year-old son, you know, Caleb said, if you could only give one, just one, one, one piece of advice, that's it. That you know this one thing will work. I mean, sitting there smoking his cigar, he's like, with a look of intensity that, you know, I studied that. He had a new look when he talked about it. He had some fire in him wow. and he was like, looks right into my son's eyes and puts his cigar over here and he goes, break the rules. Wow. So you're like, wait a minute. Was that a secret from a master dropped into my son's world? That's meant to be there. Meaning, wait a minute. All these rules that we were taught to keep Maybe we're meant to break them. And I'm not talking about loss. You know, I'm not talking about like the law. But I'm talking about every, like I'm breaking the rules now in my life and people won't see it for probably in a year. 
But what I did this last year, I broke every rule. I broke every rule of marketing, parenting, religion, to just go out and experience what it's like to live on the other side of the expectation. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like yeah, seeing a man that had so much success, but yet so much failure, he had dark failures. That was a dark failure to, uh, to be the governor and have an affair. And then he got, he had a baby with her. Wow. This is his housekeeper, man. You know, and uh, to see all that, to see his kids, to see where he lived, you know, to, to be in his home, to sit down with him and have real conversation. That was so intriguing to me because I caught things that I now have taught Caleb, you know, that I've imparted. You know, one of them was break the rules. And the other thing he said is you got to have a vision so big that people literally his parents called the psych ward on him. Wow. Think about that. Yeah. Like, he's like, my vision was so big, my parents called the psych ward on me. So there's secrets to those two things. Yeah. Who out there is breaking rules? Like, Steve Jobs gave the secret, too, in the Apple commercial. Here's to the crazy ones. You go down that job description, and really, that's what we're supposed to be. We are misfits. We're rebels. We're unconventional. We think different. We... We push the limit, we break the limits, you know, we create stuff that doesn't exist. You know, we say things that need to be said, you know, like world changers are tough. They're edgy. They're pushy. They're, you know, look at the Martin Luther Kings. Look at the people that really stood out and uh, just living in that, that realm of, you know, that see that thought pattern, but not on camera, you know, not, not saying the expected thing, but to give you the truth. So that's why I taught Caleb. When you get around masters, look for the truth because they'll give it to you. Mm, that was the truth. That was the truth, man. Damn. Break you got water rules. in that, Chris? That Can I take one sip of this in my cup, buddy? Cool, cool. No wonder you got Chris on your team. <laughs> Hell yeah. Peace. He's very Thank helpful. You. This guy's good. All right. Well, dude. Uh, but what about you? Who's the most intriguing human you've ever met so far? And who's the, you know, outside of me, who's the most intriguing podcast person you've had on? Ah, man. That's a, you know, I don't even remember writing that question down, but it came to me last night. So it must have, it must have been for a reason. That's a hard question to answer. You know, I've met quite a few interesting people. Um, huh. I guess it would def depend on how you define interesting. I would say uh, one person who my life wouldn't be where it is today without meeting this person who is definitely an interesting person is uh Jason Capital. Yeah, okay, really. Yeah, not necessarily because of like his programs and stuff, but because when I was in dental school, I asked him if, you know, how how should I manage, you know, trying to build an online business while also being in dental school, and he just he told me the truth. So what did drop he say? out. So drop out. Worst case, you go back in a year. Try it out for a year. Worst case, you go back. And I said, wait a second. You're right. I got into dental school once. If I really wanted to get back in, I could go back in. But for me, I just knew that I didn't want to always have that open loop of having never tried building the business that I wanted to, you know? So I did it. So let me ask you this. You've been around, Jason? Yeah. What would be the top? Well, what separates him from other guys? I'm curious. Hmm. Well, I haven't hung out with him. Yeah, yeah, but, but you've I'm been around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You know, you can see energy or whatever. It is, does he have the certainty projects on on camera? Uh, that energy, that certainty, or is it is it a show? I mean, are you a fan of him? Do, do you feel like you after meeting him? Are I'm you a a, are you more of a fan or less of a fan? I'm a I'm more of a fan. He's definitely got a presence. Uh, he's definitely who you think he is in person. But my honest opinion, my humbly honest opinion is I believe that he doesn't necessarily even know his own identity. Okay. Because the person that he is on camera is the person that you get in person, but it's almost like because it's somewhat of a mask, I don't think anybody, even his close friends, at least the ones I've talked to, nobody really knows the real him. Yeah, you know? and, and, and you know what you said that's powerful because... As you know, we're all characters. You know, we're all our own reality TV show. You know, yeah. our, you know, we're all in our own movie. You know, we're all we're all projecting a certain image or character. But it's funny you talk about people like him, which I have respect for. But uh, people like him have a hard time getting real because it takes them out of their character of of their brand, know, badass, yeah. you know, tough, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? And yeah. I wonder if that's something that. He feels secretly trapped. He's very calculated. I, I guess yeah, that's, yeah. if we wanted to reframe this, he's very yeah, calculated yeah. with the with what he presents. You know, so calculated to where you would never guess that anybody would be that calculated. You know, and I feel like I can sense it when I see it because I'm very good at feeling people, but uh, you know, emotionally and physically. But yeah. I, and brother, we relate so much, yeah. man. <laughs> and. Uh, that's just my impression is that he's very calculated. Everything he does is for a reason. And I just wonder, can I, I'm very impressed in how he's been able to hold that, that character while being that calculated with everything, mm. you know, let me ask you this. Who do you want to meet, man? Well, I wanted to meet Kobe. <laughs> I always I wrote down that. in my journal that I wanted to play one-on-one -on -one with Kobe one day. Yeah, yeah, Won't get that chance. MJ's probably next on that list. Uh, yeah, as you can tell by the posters. What would you ask him? Mm. I'd probably ask him about his experience of failure in high school. Everybody mm. talks about the story of him not making varsity, you know, using that as fuel. I feel like I relate to him in the sense that a lot of what I've done in my life is fueled by just the failures I've had and the hurt I've had in the past. You know, a lot of it stemming back to basketball, kind of like with Caleb and baseball. So I would be curious to pick his brain on those moments and his thought processes in those moments, you know? Of what? Of the... the, of the failure, you know, not not achieving your goal, not feeling like, oh shit, I, I'm Michael Jordan in high school. I haven't done anything yet, but I know I'm capable you know, and my coach put, I me wonder if he team. feels like a failure as a basketball owner. <laughs> Think about it. Yeah. Terrible. terrible he hasn't technically teams. won yeah. as a basketball owner. So I wonder if he's in, in his own private psyche. Does he feel like a failure? Yeah. I don't know. That'd be a good question. He probably blames Kwame Brown for his failure. You want? <laughs> no, I'm good. Oh. I got this. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, dude, we we definitely got to go again. Yeah, we got to yeah, freestyle and go again, man. 100%. We'll go, we'll go deeper. Obviously, we didn't get to go into the child trafficking, and I know you're pretty passionate about it. You know, that, and but. it's 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 just simple, right? It's like, hey, ch children are children. 
Yeah. It's kind of like, let's not abuse animals and let's not <laughs> abuse children. It's yeah. that simple. Yeah. And uh, let's set them free and let's let them, let's let them live safe, you know? Yeah. No grown man should have to go to a child for sex. 100%. You know, and um, uh, that's it. That's yeah. that's that, that's that simple. It's like let's let's clean up. Let's let's clean up our world a little bit. You know, it's not even just across. It's, you know, it's here in America. There's two million children missing. Yeah, you know, it happens every single day, man. Every single minute, and uh, it's just like that shouldn't be happening in our world. We're we have too we have too we're we're too blessed. We have too many resources. We have we have the good life. You know, we how good is our life to be able to sit and do this and people all over the world to this get to live? Like, we live good. Yes. We don't need to do this to children. Yeah. And that's my cause for, for human trafficking is, oh, yeah. is to say, come on, let's all wake up and stop this. Let's all have a voice. Let's get to the real issue here. Yeah. The real issue has nothing to do with Biden or Trump, dude. It's, it's, it's just all a bunch of noise, man. Yeah. You know, but anyways, that's my thought. But yeah, yeah. we had a blast, bro. I love right. you, man. This Thank was so you, much fun. Everybody watching or listening. Hey, Patrick's the real deal. Uh, I met him off podcast, hanging out at my birthday parties. Great friends with my son, Caleb Maddox. And everybody that I've talked to that's gone through any of his dating coaching uh, has absolutely raved about the results. And that's what it's about. Honestly, I can tell he truly cares and has passion for your results. And uh, you can pick that up by talking to him and see it in his eyes. So, Or watch look, a documentary. Yeah, watch you. that documentary. Really do. And just stay connected, guys. Stay, you know, Take the stuff we're talking about and apply it to your life. Not everything fits. Not everything was for you. You know, but eat the chicken, throw away the bones. Some of this stuff was spoken right from you know, God of the universe to you. Uh, some of the stuff that me and Patrick talked about. So, you know, my name is Matt Maddox. It was awesome being with you. I believe in you guys. Um, you know, any of you guys want to go on a missions trip and go feed the poor with us? You know, we got one coming up in Phoenix. Hell yeah. Uh, it's going to be right here in November. It's the weekend or the week of November 12, 13, 14. I'm trying to get Russell Brunson down here to do a live Dang. podcast with me. And uh, he's already paid me ten grand to come and bring his boys to, uh, to, to for me to take them to the streets. Mm. And I was like, you don't got to pay me for that. But he ended up giving like ten. He was like, I'll give you ten, ten yeah. grand to Maddox Mission. So he's just like, because um, it's real, you know. So anybody yeah. watching that wants to just stay a part of something real, you know, you're welcome to come down to Phoenix, you know, or check us out on MaddoxMissions.com because we have our six locations. We do one every other month. Okay. It's a real missions trip. It's where you like, nice. you go, man. You get up early and you stay up late and you just, we're going to heal Phoenix. Wow. We're going to try to, you know, impact tens of thousands of people, homeless, veterans. Uh, we're going to rent an ice cream truck and go into the worst neighborhood in Phoenix and give away free ice cream to the kids and, you know, cheer them up. You know, everybody's been locked down. Everybody's been screwed over by everything. People just need something real. Yeah. That's where I'm flowing, I man. I love that. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> All right. That you was can, a blast. You said the best. Dude. Peace out. <laughs> dude, just